I guess you're here. I guess that's what we're doing right now, isn't it? Well, I was just gonna sit down and enjoy some of my, you know, McCain cake. Deep and delicious, some of the best stuff. My friend Joel, he has, every year on his birthday, his mom would have to buy him McCain cake, but he always liked it double layered, so he'd, she'd buy two and stack them on top of one another, but I thought as we do our message today, as we get into the formal things of our message, that uh, I just put my feet up, sit back, relax, and enjoy some of my cake. Oh, she's quite frozen still. It's better. It's better when it's in the fridge. Look at that. I mean, this is, this is cake. Like, come on. Just, oh. Mmm. Mm. Uh, that's some good cake. Mmm. Oh, did you get a treat yet? You should go get your treat. You should go eat it. Ugh, mmm. That's a lot of cake. I think, I think you should get some too. Yeah, they're still quite frozen. You know, it's probably good that it's frozen, because otherwise, I'm gonna eat the whole thing. Mm. Well, I bet I don't even need a fork. I bet I could just pick it up with my hands and eat it like normal. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Mmm. It's like a cake pizza. I like pizza too. I could eat a whole pizza. It's kind of cold in my fingers, though, because it's frozen. Mmm. <laughs> this is so good. Huh? Hey, you want some? Help yourself. Mmm. Ah, this is good. Oh, I guess we should get to our message, eh? Mmm. <laughs> well, I don't think you came to church today to watch me eat cake. As good as that is. Mmm, so good. Mmm. Mmm. All right, one more bite. Um, let's put that down. Put that away for a few minutes. Well, that's some pretty good cake. I don't know about you, but McCain cake is absolutely delicious. Today, we're gonna talk about two things. And why, why two? Well, I kind of skipped one last week. So we're going to hit that one quick. But I also want to talk about uh, our last of our list, Fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to get there in a few minutes. And that's why we had McCain cake. Now, if we were going to do this in person, if we were going to be meeting in our building today, uh, I have been announcing to our church the last number of weeks that I was going to do something fun, something exciting on this particular Sunday. And that obviously is not happening. And that's okay, because I got to eat McCain cake instead. But what I was going to do is I was going to suggest, and I was going to call up two volunteers, and I was going to have for us a pie-eating contest. 
And you go, what in the world does that have to do with anything in the book of the Bible right here? Was there a piety contest in the Bible that I should be aware about? No, not that I know of. I mean, there was time where Jesus fed 5,000 people. Um, you want to talk about, uh, you know, a crisis and a creative response to a crisis. As I shared on our Facebook uh, page the other day, great example right there, creative response to a crisis. But nope, not talking about that either today. No, what we're talking about is two things. The first one we're going to jump into is the, is the idea of gentleness. And the second one we're going to talk about today in just a few minutes is, of course, self-control. Now, I could eat an entire McCain deep delicious cake on my own. Should I eat one by myself? Probably not. Because let's face it, if I really eat a McCain cake every day, or if I were always to eat it, the whole thing, I'd probably end up as a diabetic pretty quick. I'd end up way overweight pretty quick. And I'm already on my way to get there. And so I don't need that kind of burden in my life. But how do I keep myself from eating something that is so good and so delicious? What do I need to do? I need to use the word self-control. So we're going to jump into that in a few minutes. In the meantime, if you still have that treat, if you haven't finished it yet, go ahead and finish it. Go ahead and eat it as I share with you a few thoughts today. I'm sitting on the couch today. Uh, you can't see it. There's a TV right there. And this is a good spot to watch a movie. But uh, we're going to jump into this today. Now, we've been talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, the fruit is, is just used as an example. So uh, where does fruit grow? Typically, it grows on a tree. And the idea is this. If we are planted in God, if we receive our identity from Him, then we will produce things that are of God the Father. We will produce things, the same things that Jesus produced when he walked here on this world. Now, Paul is writing a letter to the church and the people that we call the Galatians. And there is some turmoil going on. There's some false teaching that's going on. And so Paul writes them this letter to address a crisis that they are facing, problems that they are facing in their church and in their community. And he is giving them good reminders of who they are and who they once were. And in his day, it was very common to write a list and do a, excuse me, do a, excuse me, do a comparative list. And I got the hiccups from that McCain cake, I guess. But he's writing this comparative list and he gives us a list of things that are things that would satisfy the desires of our flesh or what we would call the sinful desires. And then he gives us this other list, calls it the fruit of the spirit. And in Galatians chapter two, Verse 20, he says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. The old is gone. The new has come. We are anxiously awaiting a new day, uh, a new day. And it's certainly we are awaiting a new season. And that time is coming soon. Uh, last week, I mentioned in our live stream uh, church service, a church experience, we talked about Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not conform any, any longer to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed into the renewing, by the renewing of your mind so that you will be able to approve what God's good, perfect, and pleasing will is. And so part of that transformation experience means that there are things in our lives that will be birthed out of us because of who Christ is inside of us. 
the fruit of the spirit, as we've been talking about, is not just a list that we can check off and say, okay, today, today I showed love, today I showed joy, today I showed peace, today I showed kindness, and, and all of these things. It's not just a checklist. It is a measuring stick or a measuring ruler to help us out on our faith journey. However, doing these things does not make us, it might make us a good person, but doing these things does not make us like Christ. Christ makes us like these things. And what is what does that mean? It means exactly that. I cannot do anything in my own strength for my salvation. I cannot I can forgive myself, but I'm not the one that has the authority to forgive the wrong that I've done. Now we do need to remember that God is the one who forgives, and because he forgives us, then we can forgive ourselves. Uh, number 2 is that the whole fruit of the spirit is really concerned with who we are. It's not about what we do. It's not about the fact that I've shown love. It's not about the fact that I've shown kindness, all very good things. It's not about the fact that I show peace and exhibit all of these things. Those in and of themselves are wonderful characteristics, but they themselves do not save us. Those things, this list of the fruit of the spirit that we find in Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 23, do not save us. Those are a result of a salvation, a change, a transformation that has taken place inside of our lives, inside of our minds, inside of our hearts, to the innermost being of who we are. The fruit of the Spirit comes out. Who we are comes out of who we are on the inside. Who we are, what people see on the outside, is, is a reflection of what really is on the inside. And this is a process. This is a journey. Do we always get it right? Absolutely not. Do myself, Pastor Gary, get it right? <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, I, I often will lose patience. I will often forget to exhibit self-control and I'll eat a whole bag of chips when my work, wife works on a night shift. Yeah, I don't do that at all. <laughs> I could eat a whole McCain cake if I'm not careful and don't set the boundaries. You know, here's a good boundary for you. Eat it while it's frozen because you can't eat it fast because <laughs> it's hard to eat. But the fruit of the Spirit is more concerned with who we are in the inside rather than what is it the things that we do. And this is what I've come to learn, especially in such a time as this. In my selfish self, in who I am, I am not someone that would be willing to give of my time, someone that is not willing to give of the treasure, the money that I have, the things that I've collected. And I certainly am not one to want to give my talents why should you get it? Why should someone else do it? It's all about me. However, my faith has changed me. It has transformed me. And I have such a love for people. I have such a love. And people have given me compliments and said, Gary, you're so kind. And they've talked about it. And that means the world to me. But the reality is, is I am who I am because I've had a transformative faith experience with the presence of God. And so I invite you this morning, as you are watching this, as we're going through this, as we talk a few things about gentleness and about self-control today, remember, no matter how hard you try, these things will become impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit helping you. And without the presence of God actively working in your life, these things are very difficult for us to do on our own. And certainly difficult for us to do all nine, nine things. You can see I got nine fingers and eight fingers and one thumb up. Nine things. 
to do them all continuously and building on one another however the situation requires. Unless I have the Holy Spirit working within me, it is difficult for us to do this. So let's pray and let's just trust that God's going to speak to us through his word today and trust that he's given me some good things to share and some good insights. Mackenzie, we're going to pray. We're talking to the people this morning, okay? Um, it's just that lands into the movie. Yeah, that you can clean them up after, okay? We're going to pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you, O Lord, for your patience with us. Thank you, O Lord, that you have gathered us together on this day to hear from your word. Lord, words that are true, words that will help us understand the very heart of God the Father. Lord, I think that you would help us, Lord, in this time. Lord, give us strength and give us wisdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hi. Hi, Leland is coming to join us. Are you playing with movies downstairs? Hey, you go ahead. You go back down. There's a, li there's a little boy here. Oh, don't trip on the cord. That's for the microphone. Hey, what are you going to do now? See, this working from home thing really is... It's a real test of my patience some days. Hey, no, no, leave that alone. We don't need that cord right now. Hey. All right. Well, let's let's jump into gentleness here and and see where this goes. Now, gentleness is the eighth fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, eighth one in the list that we read in the passage from Galatians 5, 22 to 23. And it can be a difficult word to translate because it sort of has three different definitions, but it sort of comes down to this. It means someone that is meek, can be translated as meek, uh, but it's used three different ways. And so the first one would be a way to describe a someone or a person who is not on the extreme. So if you were to go to Manitowoc and, you know, on the side of the highway, uh, as you turn the corner, they have the big sign play in the extreme. So obviously, if you're from Manitowoc, you are not a gentle person because you live and play in the extreme. Now, of course, I'm being a little bit silly this morning, and we got some great people there. In fact, we got a great pastor, uh, Pastor Peter Ruel, who pastors Bethany Church in Manitowoc. And so a nice little shout out there. But a person who is not in the extreme. Now, what's interesting is I wrote these notes uh, a number of months ago. I started putting together these things because I knew I'd be speaking about it. Little did I know that we would be in the situation that we are. So let me give you this example of someone who is extreme or not extreme. Someone who is gentle is someone who is not greedy on one hand, someone who hoards supplies, a.k.a. toilet paper, but also on the other hand, they're not someone that just spends everything they have and are not prepared for anything. Gentleness can be described as someone as one, sorry, gentleness can be described in one way as someone who's right in the middle. That's of course, only one way of looking at this word gentleness, one way to describe what gentleness is. Another way to describe what is gentleness is to take the description of a wild horse that has been broken. Now, the horse still has its strength and the horse still has the energy. However, it has now learned to channel that energy and to channel that strength for something productive. A wild horse that has been disciplined, it doesn't mean that it's become tame or lame or passive in what it does or lacking spunk. I really like that definition. It doesn't mean it's changed the personality of the horse, 
but it does mean that its spunk and its spitfire has now been channeled for a purpose. Some of you might find yourselves in this category. Some of us might know of somebody who is in this category. I have a toddler, a soon-to-be two-year-old, running around my house. I have a three, almost four-year-old running around my house. Thankfully, she's napping at the moment. And I have a almost six-year-old. And the energy that is among these children, if we could only harness it, and tap into that. I'm sure you've heard that and said it yourself. We can only direct that energy. Now, we do, right? We we do activities with them and we do activities that help their brains grow and develop and we do things like send them off to school when school is open and they learn all kinds of incredible things and they learn how to do incredible things and build incredible skills. They are learning what it means to be gentle. They're learning how to harness their energy, when to use it, how to use it to do something productive. Now, the third definition, the third way that we can define the original language of the definition of gentleness is a balanced and disciplined person that has a gentleness in their lifestyle. Now, Jesus said, I am meek and of gentle heart. And he certainly was. However, Jesus was not some passive kind of person. No one got to walk all over him. No one got to have their way over his way. But even when he was confronted, even when he saw injustice, he had a strong personality and yet was gentle. We see that he's gentle with children. He is gentle towards women. And he was gentle with his disciples. Now, these guys probably frustrated him more than anyone else because he spent most of his time with these 12 people. You cannot tell me that you could be together with 12 other people and never get frustrated by any of them. I have done road trips before, uh, long-term road trips, week, weeks of road trip time with groups of people. I was in a band, I traveled with a band, and we loved each other, we had a riot together, but we were also the same people that drove each other absolutely crazy. And so in those moments, we have to set up boundaries around ourselves to say, this is the appropriate time to talk to me, this is the appropriate time where you can have fun and be silly, and this is the time where we're having quiet time and peace. Having those boundaries helps us show that we have a gentleness in our lives. It takes all the craziness and wraps it up with a nice little bow and sets the boundaries and says there is a time for this and there's a time for that. And together with those things working together, we can do something productive. And so Jesus' power in us, the power that raised him from the dead, that same power lives within you and me. It allows us to channel energies, channel the things that are inside of us and challenge all of these things to help us become the people that Christ has desired for us to become, the person that Christ is within us. So it means being prepared for an emergency, but not hoarding and taking away from others. It means showing meekness and gentleness and being firm when we have to, but yet being corrective at the right time. Gentleness is an extremely important trait and most effective when we are working with or dealing with people who disagree with us. <laughs> like you've never had anyone disagree with you before, gentleness is an extremely important trait when we're working or dealing with people who disagree with us. 
It's also helpful working to be with people who correct us. <laughs> it's good to be gentle in response. It is helpful when people fail us, when people let us down. It is important for us to respond appropriately with the truth, but also to respond in gentleness. Galatians 6.1, just following this passage, Paul instructs the church with these words. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, aka if you're filled with the things of the Spirit, if you have Jesus that lives within inside you, you should restore that person gently. And he doesn't mean let them get away with it. He doesn't mean don't address it. He says, deal with them gently. If you have done something wrong, you know you've done something wrong. Do you really want the world pointing their finger at you? Absolutely not. That is the worst way to be dealt with something. No, he says, take a minute and show gentleness and restore that person. Now, there has to be a willingness. And this is the beautiful thing about God is that he is always willing to forgive us if we are faithful he is always faithful and willing if we are willing to tell him about it, if we are willing to confess and be repentant. In fact, 1 John 1, 9 says this. It says, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we confess and repent. If we give him the things that separate us from God, he is willing, he is willing and able to forgive us and cleanse us, make us clean, make us whole, take that thing that we did and take it away from us as far as the East is from the West, AKA make it disappear. He is the only one who can forgive and forget. You and I can learn how to forgive, but we always remember what that person did to us. We always remember that something happened which means we have to forgive again and again and again and again. It's showing gentleness in a time of correction. Jesus will never put our sin on a pedestal and get everyone else to point the finger at us and laugh. That's the last thing that we want to do, especially as a church. We want our church to, you want you to know when you join us for a service, for an experience and something we do, you are welcome no matter who you are, where you come from, because Jesus takes us just as we are. He doesn't leave us the same, but he takes us just as we are. And sometimes that takes a lot of self-control because in the flesh, what I want to do to my person that has hurt me and harmed me and wronged me, I want to point the finger. It takes self-control to let the Holy Spirit speak through me and do a work. Now, I said we we're going to jump into self-control as well. And I'm not going to eat any more McCain cake in this moment. But my wife goes to work tonight, and I am going to tell you, I am going to eat McCain cake. Now, self-control says this. Don't eat the whole cake. And so what do we have to do to make sure that Pastor Gary doesn't eat the whole cake? Here's what I do. When you want to have some chips, this is what my wife taught me, actually. It's okay to have chips. It's okay to have cake. Don't eat the whole bag, and don't eat the whole cake. This is what you do. You cut a piece you put it on the plate and you take that downstairs and you put the rest of it away. If you want a thing of chips, you take some chips, you put them in a bowl and you put the bag away. Now, if you cannot handle the pressure of knowing that there is a bag of chips in your cupboard or a McCain cake in your freezer, here are two options. One, invite other people over 
AKA share them with your family that is in the house, because then it means everyone's eating it, not just you. Or don't buy it at all. Or if you have to, buy a slice and give the rest away to somebody else. Because if you want to make the decision to live a healthy lifestyle, eating a McCain cake is certainly not the answer to do that. Now, here's a definition for you for self-control. Simply means this, mastering one's own desire and passions, including faithfulness to the marriage vows, for example. Uh, it can also mean purity. Uh, the term translates ekrates. I'm not very good with Greek, but the Greek word translates ekrates, someone who controls his or her desires. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, a man without self-control is like a city left without walls. Rather, a city that has been broken into and is left without walls. What does that simply mean? Well, I give you a long history. I think you get the picture. If someone were to break into my house, break down the door, I would not be able to lock that door. Therefore, anything in my house is open to anybody that were to walk in, they could take whatever they want, it is unprotected. A person without self-control is like a house that has been broken into and has no way to lock it up. A house or a city that has been broken into and left without walls, left without protection. When it comes to self-control, I always use the example of our highway. If you were to drive down our highway 17, left or right, doesn't matter the direction, especially here, when you get to the highway, you'll notice there's a set of lines. We have our double yellow line, which means don't cross that line or you're going to get hit. We have the line on the other side, and this is the one I pay attention to in this illustration. We have our white line. Now, you can cross the white line. In fact, you can cross it and you'll be okay. You might hit a rumble strip, you might bounce a little bit, it might be loud and annoying, it might be uncomfortable, but you can cross that line and you will be safe. Now, you can continue to go a little bit farther and you can hit the gravel and you will generally speaking still be safe. However, things are a little bit more dangerous now. Things are a little bit more slippery, if, especially if it's winter time or if the gravel happens to get a little more loose, it can suck you in and spin you out of control, but you're still safe. Then on certain corners and on certain hills, we have the guardrail. Another says we have our white line, we have our gravel, we have our guardrail. That guardrail, as long as you're not going too fast, that guardrail should protect you should something happen. Now, it's going to beat up your car. You're probably going to get banged up a little bit, but you're not going to go over the cliff. You're not going to come into too much harm or too much danger. However, if you're going too fast or you're on a road without a barrier, what's going to happen? If you cross that white line, if you cross the gravel, if you get through that barrier, you're going to end up over the cliff. And that is the place where we find ourselves in dangerous situations. Now, maybe you're there right now. Maybe you've been there before. Some people, when they go over the cliff, they don't make it. Others, they do. And the ones that do, there is always a chance for forgiveness. There is always a chance to be saved. There is always a chance that a tow truck can reach its hook down there and get you out and your vehicle. We have an amazing, an amazing emergency responders that serve this whole entire North Shore. They will do everything they can to get you out. You're not going to be in really good shape, but you can recover. You may have the scars. You may remember it. You're going to live with it, 
but you will have been saved. It's the same thing when it comes to self-control. If you want to have good self-control in your life, if you want to have good walls that keep you safe, don't cross the white line. Don't cross the white line. Don't get into the gravel and certainly stay away from the guardrail. Don't get this close. Just because you can cross the line and be safe doesn't mean that you should. Because what happens? Sometimes you hit that white line, then you hit that gravel and it's loose and it just it can take you wherever you want, wherever you don't want, rather. Watch where you're going. Be safe. A man without self-control or a woman without self-control is like a city broken into, left without walls. You know, the original word here meant to grip something, to control it. The word is typically used in multiple ways regarding lots of it actually is sexual desire, which is why we talk about the sanctity of the marriage vows being a form of self-control. But it also applies to food. It applies to how we show love or maybe lust is a better one. It also affects how we control our egos. Because if I think about it too much, in my own mind, in Pastor Gary's mind, I can start to think, hey, I'm a little bit better than someone else. You know what? I'm not as good as this person, but I'm certainly better than this person. And if we're not in control of ourselves, we'll begin to think we're more important than we are, that we're more valuable than somebody else. And the reality is, is that God has created all of us equal and he has saved us all equally the same. Now, as we conclude this series on the fruit of the spirit, Next week is Palm Sunday, an incredible start to what we would call Holy Week. And we're going to get into what that means next week. And then we have Good Friday and Easter Sunday, which I'm really excited for. Big announcements, lots of exciting things happening. Who knows what the world's going to look like in a few months and even a few years from now. It's going to be totally different. doesn't matter. The vision that God has given us is is going to remain because God never changes. His word never changes. So we're really excited about that. But here's the key to Easter and the key, I think, to understanding who God is inside of us. And that is forgiveness. If we want to be gentle towards someone, we have to learn how to forgive. If we want to show kindness towards somebody, we have to learn to forgive. If we want to show love towards somebody, we have to learn how to forgive. If we want to work on patience, we have to learn how to forgive. And why do I say this word a lot? Because it's what Christ did for us. It's what God does for us. He forgave you and for me. He forgave you and he forgave me. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have everlasting life. He forgave. If you think that's impossible, let me read you this story by Corey Ten Boom, who was a Holocaust survivor. Uh, She would hide Jews, her and her sister, in their home during the time of the Holocaust leading up to World War II. An incredible season to live through. This is an excerpt taken from her book. Let me read it to you today. It was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding harvest man in gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filling out the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth that they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land, and I gave them my favorite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind. 
I like to think that where we for, where forgiven sins were thrown. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence. In silence, they collected their wraps. In silence, they left their room. And that's when I saw him, walking his way forward against the others. One moment, I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush, the huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of naked walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp, where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fräulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all sins are at the bottom of the sea. <laughs> and I spoke, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among the thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear from your lips as well. Fräulein, again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I, whose sins had every day to be forgiven and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for asking? I could not have been many seconds that he stood there. Hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult decision I ever had to do. For I had to do it, I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus said, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. Those who nursed bitterness remained invalids. It was so simple and horrible as that. And stood I, and stood I there with coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is the act of will. And the will can, fun can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. 
And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joint hands, and his healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then, and having this learned to forgive in his hardest situation, I never again had difficulty in forgiving. I wish I could say it. I wish I could say that the merciful and charitable thoughts just naturally flowed from them from then on, but they didn't. If there's one thing I've learned at 80 years of age, it's that I can't store up good feelings and behavior, but only draw them fresh from God each day. What a powerful, powerful story. What a beautiful example of someone who has gone through incredible circumstances in her own strength, unable to forgive. But as she reaches out in that simple little prayer, Jesus, help me. She raises her hand to put it in the hand of the man. I'm always moved by these stories of forgiveness. God reaches out his hand towards us, even when we don't deserve it. And in the moments of our weakness, in the moments of our uncertainty, when we just can't do it, we have a Holy Spirit that can come alive inside of you and me. That in our moments of unforgiveness, we can reach out our hands and forgive. We can show love. We can show kindness. We can show mercy. We can show goodness and gentleness. We can show patience. We can show gentleness. And certainly, in our moments of weakness, we can call on the Lord. We can call on the name of Jesus. And he will give us the strength for self-control. Today, if you would like to experience the life-changing power of Jesus Christ, if you don't want to live by your own code anymore, and you want to live for something more, I'm going to invite you to like, share, comment, whatever you need to do. Send me a message. If you're watching this on our online church platform today, you can even say, I raise my hand to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want the forgiveness of God. I'm really willing and ready to repent of my sins. This is your opportunity to do that. Let's pray today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your forgiveness today. I thank you that we don't have to live this life apart from you here on this earth. God, I pray today, wherever we are watching from, wherever we are gathering from, Lord, you bring us together for this moment. You have brought us together through this video, through our screens, through the audio that we hear, oh God. You have brought us together to hear from you, Jesus. And I thank you that you never leave us alone. I pray that you would forgive us. You would forgive me, O oh Father, that you would make me clean and whole again, that you would make me into the person that you've destined me to become. For those who raised a hand, for those who made a decision today, would they feel your presence come alive in them? May they feel something different. May they know a change has taken place in their lives. God, I thank you. Would we celebrate today 
those who have decided to become a follower of Jesus. Lord, because we know that life on this earth is difficult. It's hard. There are trials. Lord, we're living through one right now, one of the greatest of a generation. And yet we have so much hope. We don't have any more fear. Lord, because we know that you are with us. And Lord, no matter what happens tomorrow, I know that I will always be with you. I thank you for that assurance we have today as believers in Christ, as followers of Jesus. Lord, and for those who have made a decision today for maybe for the first time or have made the decision again, Lord, we have a hope to know that tomorrow will come no matter what happens on this earth. I thank you, O Lord. We pause and we pray for those today who need a healing hand, for those who need a touch from heaven, Lord, in their bodies. Lord, for our hospital and our hospital workers, we lift them up to you. Lord, for those in the front lines, Lord, who, those who work in our emergency services, and Lord, we just give them to you. Protect them. Keep them safe. Lord, watch over our communities during this time. We pray that you would keep us healthy and that you would keep us safe. Lord, may we continue to celebrate and grow closer to you and grow closer to one another during this time. I thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. I look forward to connecting you with you this week online. Reach out to us. Give us a call. Send us a message. Send me a text. And we want to serve you in any way that we can. If you want to serve, I encourage you to do that. Thank you so much for watching today. No matter where you're from, know that you are loved. Know that you belong here. That you are not here by mistake. You didn't click on the wrong link today. You were here for a purpose. Thank you so much for joining us. And have a wonderful, wonderful day. God bless.